Welcome to Two Paley's on a Pod. I'm Bria Paley from Queens, New York. And I'm Michael Paley, and I'm in Budapest, Hungary. Oh, that's nice. How's it going over there? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you. I don't, I don't feel Halloween here. It's very dark out. Um, but I don't really... I'm a, I live on the seventh floor of a beautiful building, um, and I haven't had any trick-or-treaters. Do they do Halloween over there? Um, they never used to, but if you go to restaurants now, you will find that many people are doing Halloween in the restaurants, which is to say that they have, you know, white, white kind of cotton on the banisters and they have ghosts and pumpkins, things like that. But you kind of feel like they're not very good at it. Yeah, well, when I lived in Australia, they also have traditionally not done Halloween, but it felt like while I was living there, it became um, a thing. It's definitely becoming a thing here. And, and I saw this morning kids going to school um, uh, uh, dressed in costumes. But many schools are closed because today is, sadly, the Day of the Dead. Oh, um, and, and tomorrow is All Saints Day. So today is the day that in Europe you traditionally go to cemeteries and clean them up. And actually your mother and I did that in um, Poland. We went to uh, Bobov, where the Bobov or Hasidim are from, and we saw all of the flowers in the cemeteries and we and we visited cemeteries and last year in, in Budapest also we've we we went to the cemetery just to see the flowers and things like that and you could hardly get in you had to stand in line to get into the cemetery that's interesting and they actually close schools for that they do they close schools it's 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 November October 31st and November 1st are day of the dead and all saints day you know i i would say this has kind of Christian roots to it. I mean, obviously, All Saints, it has Christian roots. But it also has something to do with, I don't know, midwinter, almost pagan death cults that are still present in the kind of Hungarian, and we were in Poland and Slovakia um, in the same thing, and even Ukraine some many years ago, 10 years ago, so we went to Ukraine on this day, um, and it was very big day in Ukraine. So now... I mean, it, there's a, there is a certain aspect of it, which is about a kind of a death cult. What are, what are funerals like there? Um, well, I, of course, only have gone to Jewish funerals here. And I've gone to, sad to say, quite a lot. Um, uh, COVID basically was not very well contained here. So that most of the older men in my shul, Holocaust survivors, are now gone. They almost all died within the last uh, 12 months. So I went to their funerals and, um, and they're, they're, they have a lot of kind of procession. They march around the, the, the cemetery and, and some of the cemeteries are beautiful. You know, I grew up going to a beautiful cemetery, Mount Auburn Cemetery in Boston, in Cambridge actually. Um, but here there are also the, the mausoleums and the sculptures and things like that are really like almost over the top. I live near a nice cemetery, and I, I like going in there sometimes. I would take my scooter and scoot around the pathways. <laughs> I'm sure it's good, right? I mean, look at cemeteries are kind of an open green space. We, I used to, when I was a kid, I would go to Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge with your grandmother, and we would go bird watching. It was one of the best bird watching places uh, in and around Boston. That's cute. It was, it was very cute, actually. I, we must have gone half a dozen times and uh, we get up early and I'd have my little binoculars and we'd go and see all the kind of songbirds. It was, actually, it was, it was great to do that with your grandmother. Well, I, I didn't go to a funeral recently, but I, I went to Shiva at, at this guy's house. And sadly, he, he lost both his parents nine days apart. Ugh, um, I lost yeah. my parents nine weeks apart. And that was hard. Yeah, exactly. So imagine nine days. And, and he was living with them. He's a man in his 50s. I don't know him very well, but I ended up going. And this place was Hoarders Central. <laughs> like books stacked up to the ceiling, piles and piles of books, and, and v, even VHS and uh, CDs, DVDs, just tons and tons of stuff. It was There wasn't even actually a place really to sit. I suppose when you go to a uh, shiva house, you have to. I, I remember even when my sister died, your aunt, um, 
you know, we, we weren't really cleaned up and prepared. We were in the middle of our uh, reconstruction project and we had all these lovely people come in and sit on, on crates because we didn't have all of our furniture and we had no kitchen yet. It's kind of embarrassing, but when you die, you die, you know, can't, can't plan for it. I remember that. I remember moving to, uh, to the apartment on 105th street and how it took so long to get ready. Oh, it was terrible. Terrible. We, we were, we were nomads for a while. Um, so it's, I, I, I think I just made me think of that because they've said Shiva and that was my, probably the worst ship experience I ever had, which was my own sister's Shiva. Mm. Even though we had mostly sat in Boston, we sat at her house, which was, I remember being quite wonderful and nourishing. Can you, you want to talk about your relationship with, with Nancy? Well, I, I think that it, we, you know, it, it's, this is, um, we, we, we often talk about holidays on this podcast um, as a background for, for our, both of our journeys. Um, this is the month of the Jewish calendar, Mar Cheshvan, that has no holidays except Halloween, not really a Jewish holiday. Um, and so uh, we were thinking about what to talk about, and we did think about that, you know. I mean, in some ways, even the Halloween, which was such, you know, I used to go with Uncle Richie and, and dress up and things like that. Um, but I, I don't remember hardly Nancy at all. Um, Nancy was my oldest sister. She was just a few, just under two years older than me, about a year and a half older. Um, which, and I, I, I think I might have been a bit of a handful to grow up next to. Um, I, was, I was sure I was like a know-it-all and hyperactive and, you know, I didn't read very well, so I think it was I, I think it was really hard, and we were very different. We were just so different. I think I talked all the time. That's my recollection. It's certainly my brother's recollection, and I think I kind of crowded her out. So I so I take a lot more responsibility for our relationship, but we didn't have a good one. That's for sure. Was it always like that? It wasn't. Well, yes, I think it was. I think it was. I, I, I think that uh, Nancy, in, in a way that wasn't my fault, you know, kind of resented that I came so soon after she was born, you know. Mm. I don't think she re resented like, you know, she was still under two years old, so she certainly didn't resent it actively. But I was always right on her heels, you know, and, you know, sometimes her friends would become my friends and um, and I could talk circles around her, which I can talk circles around a lot of people. But I, I'm sure it wasn't very comfortable for her. And uh, she retaliated. You know, she was, she was pretty uh, physically uh, difficult for me. Hmm. She, was, awesome. she was also very, very heavy. And I was really skinny. And Richie was skinny. And, you know, and we, we were scrappy boys three years apart, which was delightful. And I, I just kind of, you know... I don't know. I think it was really hard on her and I feel bad. You know, we made up later on in life, but in our youth, we had a hard time. And then for a long period of time, maybe even 10 years, we, we barely spoke to each other. What was that like? Well, I think it was probably better because after all, it was better than getting mad. And, and she said, you know, call me names and things like that, which was quite distasteful for me. Um, even though I, you know, again, I, I, I thought a lot about it in my life and I miss her. She, she died when she was, I think, 46. So I was 44 years old. Um, and, um, you know, I spoke at her funeral and I, um, and, and I, you know, the, those, the years that she, she had first breast cancer and then, and then cancer in her spine. Um, and during those times we were really close to each other, I think. She, we, we, we did reform our relationship in a, in, in a significant way. But, you know, during that time, I was also, you know, quite religious. And uh, she was totally not religious. She was very Jewish, but not religious. And so, did it bother her how religious you were? I think, I think it did bother her. I, I would say, you know, we, came, we, we were brought up in the 50s. Um, and, the, and I think that the 50s were more than anything else known for being regular you know like even my parents i think really wanted us to be regular more than anything else right just be regular just be like everybody else you know be a kid be a 
you know, don't be an intellectual. We, we grew up, and we also grew up in an extraordinary street filled with people, you know, who, who have produced Laura Geller, a rabbi, and John Shapiro, a real Jewish leader in every way that you could think. Um, uh, Stevie Prostein won a Pulitzer Prize. Joey Banner um, uh, owned the, was one of the, one of the owners of the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, there were many people on and on. I could go on and on of really incredibly high achieving people. It was a very Jewish street um, and it was the fifties. So it was the baby boomers. And that meant that even though Nancy was only whatever it was, you know, um, 16, 18 months old and I was, um, uh, she's, there's still a lot of kids between her and me. Um, and we lived, my, my grandfather and, and, and his brothers, I don't think his sisters, but his brothers, and he, my grandfather came, I, I think I've said before, from a family of 12 siblings, um, of which he was the oldest boy, not the oldest, but the oldest boy. And he ran the factory that they owned, and he, and he was extremely prosperous. He was, I mean, I, I guess the word I really am looking for is wealthy. Um, I was once uh, quoted in the, in the Boston Globe as saying I grew up um, in an upper middle class house, and he called me right up and he said, "No, we didn't. <laughs> we were, we were middle. There was nothing middle class about us." And it's true. He, he had a cook. He had a he had a he had a driver. You know. And Do you think that makes you uncomfortable? I, it did then. You know, I was trying to be part of the Worker Student Alliance. You know, it was a complete and utter fake. And I grew up in this very prosperous neighborhood. I mean, everybody was prosperous, and they're still prosperous. You know, they're all. They're all, they've all done extremely well. And we were all Jewish, you know. We didn't even, we, some of us weren't that Jewish, but I remember like one, just this is a funny street and Halloween memory. My friend John Shapiro, who was like a runty little kid, but when he was in college, he grew to about six foot three or so. Um, and he became the president of the UJ Federation of New York when I was working there. So actually he was my boss, you know, in the kind of lay boss way. Not exactly my boss, you know, I worked for the, for the federation but and probably didn't have a boss but i got to teach him you know and when, when now we're very close and he's just there hardly anybody in the world better than uh, john shapiro his wife shawnee is the president of central synagogue with my uh, friend angela buckdale i mean they're just an extraordinary wonderful couple his son and my and my and your brother gabriel went to brown together the whole thing has been it's just a wonderful remarkable thing to have constant contact with the person that you were in a in a crib with but in 1967, right, Halloween. So you have to remember that the Six-Day War, we're right now in the middle of a, of a, I hope in the middle, I hope near the end of a war in Gaza, um, but I don't know, and, and it's brutal. Um, and, I, and I remember that the last time I, I experienced a war in, in Israel that was so uncertain was the Six-Day War. By the 1973 war, I was sure that Israel would win, even though it turns out that that was a much less secure win for Israel. But in 1967, we thought Israel was going to get annihilated. And even now, I feel, you know, Israel has a hard road ahead of it. So, so it, 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 it harkens back for me to 67 more than anything else, even though there are many more parallels with 73 in the Yom Kippur War. So, so why am I saying all this? For the following reason. The hero of the Six-Day War, um, in our minds at least, was Moshe Dayan, who wore an eye patch um, because he had lost an eye, I think, in the 1948 war. Um, and he was the kind of swashbuckling general of the Israel uh, army. So that year, um, the war was, was for six days um, in, in June. But by Halloween, you know, we were celebrating what we felt was a miracle, you know, and the miracle was that we not only won, but we clobbered the opposing armies. And so Johnny and I um, kind of altered our Boy Scout uniforms um, and put maybe white. And, and, and I wore a patch so on my Moshe eye Diane. to be Moshe Diane. And, and I remember my, my mother saying, you can't go out dressed as a Jew. And I said, mm. oh. I'm being dressed as a Jew. <laughs> like, I, that was the last thing I thought I was being dressed like a general. Um, but she said, you're, and I realized later on that that was the first time I ever dressed up as a Jew. Like, who would I dress up as? Lubavitcher Rebbe? I mean, like, we didn't even know who that was. Um, but there was a, a kind of a hero winning side Jew 
Moshe Dayan and, and we both went up and, and dressed like uh, Israeli soldiers. We were proud, you know, um, and, and more than proud even. I, I would say even formed. I think our identities were formed by that. But you didn't grow so, up thinking that you like shouldn't tell people you were Jewish, right? Well, everybody on my street and everybody in my in my um, elementary school, which means K through eight Baker School in, in, in Brookline, felt Jewish except Timothy Stewart and Timothy Stewart and Martha O'Brien. Richard Thaler was a year ahead of me. But other than that, you know, like I thought at least, and I, I think I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I'm right. Every single kid was Jewish, you know, bar none. So we didn't, it's not that we didn't, we were embarrassed about being Jewish. We didn't know any non-Jews. I mean, maybe the guy that uh, came in uh, to drive my grandfather, you know, that was, a, we just didn't have any, any very much experience with it. And, and when I grew up, the other people in Brookline, Irish and Italian, we had like nothing to do with them, nothing. So as a result, it wasn't that we didn't have good relations yeah. between Jews and other people. There were only Jews. Right. No, it makes a lot of sense. But I was going to ask you to back, backtrack a bit. Um, how, what was the grieving process like for Nancy? Well, I don't know. You know, sometimes I think I'm still, you know, even now when I'm talking to you about her, I, I feel tears in, in my eyes. I, I think I never got over Nancy in some ways. I, I grieve her. Um, she was kind of like the archaeologist of my life. So she, whenever I needed to know what was really true when I was growing up, which I never was that good at, although I think all the stuff I just said to you was true, um, Nancy would say, nope, that didn't happen, that didn't happen, that didn't happen. No. And I think she was basically right. You know, I, 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 so, you know, I think she, first of all, she, uh, she was just, she became very important. And I think the other thing about Nancy for me that's hard to grieve is that we had overcome a lot of adversity with each other. And I believe that we really overcame it. I mean, I grew to love Nancy and she was very funny. She was whip smart. Um, and she was, you, you mentioned a hoarder hoarding at the, at the Shiva. Nancy was a, I think of her as a big hoarder. I never, what did she she hoard? was, I don't know. I don't know exactly, but she always had like a lot of stuff, a lot, you know, mm. much more than I mean, she, she, she went to Costco, you know, we never, we didn't, none of the rest of us went to Costco. I go to Costco now. It's great. I know. So it probably was great then, but we didn't know about that. I was just so different. I was like a, I was a, like a lefty and a hippie a bit and religious. And Nancy just was, she was trying to be regular. She was trying to be like a, you know, a, a normal person. And she felt that being religious with me was abnormal. Um, and I, and I, I grieve her. I do grieve her. We all, I think we all grieve her. Well, I was thinking about what she was like for me. And, and I also saw her as being very regular. Like she lived in and then, you know, nice enough house, but it wasn't, it wasn't very elegant inside. You know, it wasn't, it was never clean. She had nice art, really nice art. Nice art. Um, I feel like she, she and her husband were always fighting. And um, so I didn't like going over there. You know, we'd have sleepovers because her daughters and, and me and my sister, like all this about the same ages, the four of us were always lumped together as the four oldest cousins and the four girls. And it'd be me and Lindsay and Nam and Caroline. And and it was it was uncomfortable for me to be there. And I would often look, fake being sick so I could get picked up. Yeah, I guess I didn't really know that, but I, I feel bad about it. I think wasn't... I was scared to being there. It felt it felt like a scary environment to me, actually. I mean, I think that. It was your grandmother that really, she just loved when the four of you were together. But this would be you at know. Nancy's house. Grandma I know. wasn't there. I know grandma wasn't there, but when she, if she knew that the four of you were together, she just was, that was like success for her. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, I, I remember Nancy loved candy. She like, she was. She did. She was the Halloween candy. queen. Yeah. And so, and also in all of our bar and bat mitzvahs, she took over what she called the candy wheel. Candy, so it would just be the like candy, wheel, the candy truck. Yeah, it'd be like wheelbarrows full of candy, and then she'd have like little bags, so all the all the kids of the, the all the friends of the bar mitzvah kid could like <laughs> go and like fill up a bag of candy. It was like kind of so bizarre. Like I don't remember seeing that in any any other parties. Oh, that was and, a real commitment for us. She really she would brought the wheel back barrel down from Boston, and she. I know. But, you know, you have to remember that when I was growing up, in any place that you went in the house, if you put your hand into the couch, 
probably Nancy had hit some candy in there. Well, yeah, it's just it's just interesting because you know I was only fourteen years old when she died, and I can't say I I really got to know her all that well. Like she would write me letters at camp, and that was always nice, but it would feel like a kind of different person almost who was writing me these letters, and then the person that I would see in real life, and she. She was sick for years, and they hid it from their younger daughter, Caroline, my cousin Caroline. Yeah, so, did. you know, she didn't really know her mother was dying, um, which I think was, you know, that was their choice. But for us, it's like we didn't – I don't think any of us really understood how sick she was. Like, were you told to keep it from us as well? I, I think that she wasn't going to tell Caroline and Lizzie. We didn't want to tell you, you know, or Nama because, you know, it, was, it would come out, and we, and we respected Nancy's wishes. But she wore a sleeve. Remember, she wore that elastic sleeve and it was... She had a wig on for years, I think. A wig, you know, you know, I mean, if you look closely and you were maybe maybe older than Caroline Lizzie, uh, you know, you knew something was, was... She was struggling. She was often in pain. Yeah. yeah. But I must say, I, you know, I, I remember visiting her at, at the very end of her life um, in this rehabilitation center. She, she was so funny and smart and insightful and... Well, know. you know my cousin carol our cousin caroline my cousin your niece she told me not so long ago that that it was really i guess she said it was like really hard for their family that we didn't visit at the end i don't know i think i didn't visit them but i visited nancy like we didn't come at the end or or something like that i don't know but I guess I, I, I was know. bringing all this stuff up because, you know, I'm seeing a lot of parallels in, in my own life. Um, you know, I also grew up in a, in a very Jewish area. Our synagogue was a few blocks away. And I, I, I lived in a Jewish bubble. I went to Jewish day school for many years. So it, it did not occur to me that there were we were such a small population in the world. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, everybody was Jewish, doing, right? Everyone was Jewish. Everyone, we grew up doing Halloween also. And, and you know, when, when we were little, um, our mother would not let us eat candy, like, at all. Um, she had, like, sugar al alternatives, like um, carob and health, kind of healthy snacks and whatever. But, you know, we were kids. We wanted to have candy. And I remember living, I think it was even 113th Street before 116th. We only lived there for, like, what, a year? Yeah, a year, yeah. I think we were we were living there and she let Nama and I go trick or treating, you know, as very little kids. And, you know, that what it means in New York City is going from apartment to apartment in your building, basically. You don't Yeah, don't in stores. Customers. Stores on Broadway. Yeah, maybe. But you know, we were little. So we probably just went in the in the building and that was it. And then we went to sleep because we were little. And the next round of trick or treaters came and she gave our candy away to them. <laughs> She was anti-candy, no doubt about it. But I think by the time Gabe was born, when I was already seven, she had, like, changed her tune. I don't remember, actually. I just kind of remember her being, you know, she, you know, first we gave away, you know, maybe money to people for coming. And, like, she didn't want to even buy candy to give away to people. It was never a big deal for us Halloween. Some people were elaborate. Even the people on our floor, um, Iggy and Alex, were really, they loved Halloween and they had you know, you would go in their house and they would have ghosts hanging and things like that. We never did any of that well, stuff. Well, she came from Australia where it's not even a, a holiday. I guess that's right. I mean, I I, I do think that um, her coming from Australia, your, your mother coming from Australia, meant that she brought different customs. And that's always been, you know, it's, it's something to work with, you know. She lived in America now for, I don't know, what is it, 45 years. but um, But even so... She didn't grow up with some of the things that in, in America were, you know, regular. That word again, regular. But she was, she, you know, if you think about her compared to Nancy, I mean, they, they could not really be more different. They couldn't have been more different. That's right. They could not. Or did they get along? I think that, I think that, you know, um, uh, your mother was really, you know, we loved Nancy and she was, she was, um, she was fascinating and, and in some ways fabulous. You know, she brought incredible, you know, the, those almond brownies that she would make. And a lot of it was around food and things like that. I, I remember one conversation with Mummy um, and uh, Nancy about, I think, your bar mitzvah. She wanted to know what the theme of the bar mitzvah was. Like, I don't know, Little Mermaid or something. 
And 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 your mother looked at her and said, I think it's like be, being Jewish. And she said, No, no, you need a theme. But at the end of your bar mitzvah, which I thought was actually quite wonderful, she said, Oh yeah, I get it. Jewish. That's the theme. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, but... we lived we lived in New York and they lived in Boston. So, you know, we only saw each other during special occasions. Yeah, it's like I, now, I didn't I know realized. that about Caroline thinks that, but I now I feel bad about it. I wonder if it's true. Well, you can ask her yourself, you know. She was only 10, so that's like surprising. Maybe she like would hear about it later in some way. I don't know. I mean, I went to visit Nancy a number of times when she was just at the end of her life. It, it was it was a very big thing for me because you know the 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 rehabilitation center had you had been the Holy Family Rehabilitation Center before the maybe Harvard or something about it. it was in Inman Square, I think. Um, and um, and one of the people called me and they said, Rabbi, we, we were having a lot of trouble with your sister. And I'm saying, my sister's dying. What, the tr- what could the trouble be? And so they said, first of all, she doesn't like pain. And I said, yes, that's true about Nancy. She doesn't like pain. So I said, what's the problem with that? They, they said, how will, she, um, how will she be redeemed? <laughs> I said, that is crazy. You know, what does it mean redeemed? Like, how she's going to be saved by pain, by pain in the end of life. They said, absolutely, she should be confronting her own, the pain of her death. And I, and I said, yeah, that's not Nancy, so forget about that. And then she said, and there's a lot of laughing in there. They like having a party, and it was true. Many people would go there, and she was still, even at the very end of her life, she was extremely funny, and she was extremely um, uh, kind of raucous in some ways. And people would have a good time, even though she was dying, you know. Mm. And the third thing was too many visitors. The other people did not like all the visitors. And I said, yeah, well, won't be long, but none of those, that was, I was like, I was a little outraged. I've, I've always remembered what that woman said to me. She was a nun um, and how different it was. Like, I really wanted Nancy to be in a Jewish hospice. So that, because Nancy, you know, this, here's the thing. Nancy was so different than me in my Jewish observance, but she was still so Jewish. And that, mm-hmm. that meant a lot, I guess, you know. Like she had a bat mitzvah and all that? All that stuff, yes. And she actually read from the Torah? I have no recollection. Mm. I think it was on a Friday night um, at Michigan Tefillah. It wasn't the same as having a bar mitzvah. I have no recollection of that. How'd she feel no. about Israel? Well, she she loved Israel because, you know, remember Richie and I, your uncle Richie and my brother, lived in Israel from the time that she, I was, you know, 24, I guess, 23, 24. And Richie was 21, so she would come and visit us and stay in our apartment. And, um, and the, I remember the first time that she came, she, she also met Uncle Stanley in Israel on, a, on a, um, a kind of a bar mitzvah pilgrimage kind of thing, or some, whatever it was. I can't remember exactly why she went, but she met Stanley there. Um, and um, and the, um, she, she was worried that um, she wouldn't have enough food, so she brought oranges with her from America to Israel. And Israel was at that point well known for its Jaffa oranges. Like <laughs> the one thing you could get in Israel was oranges. And, and here she's just coming in with a big bag of oranges and says, hey, look at it. I brought, I brought us all oranges from America. And I'm saying, oranges from America, crap. <laughs> oranges in Israel, the <laughs> best in the world. Smoothie oranges, Jaffa oranges. So that, she, I, I remember that. I remember always... climbing up the mountain <laughs> to go to the Western Wall. <laughs> No, go ahead. No, you know, I so I she came to Israel a number of times, but we have pictures over there. Um, and did she always struggle with uh, grandma? I do think she struggled with grandma a lot. Yeah, I do. Why do you think so? Well, I I kind of think I don't really know. It's hard for me to say. Um, she, Nancy was a bit needy. Um, she was a little. Mm-hmm difficult but i think it really was in reaction to me so i'm I'm taking responsibility for it um but i do remember when she went to college first she went to wisconsin to beloit college and then um and then she didn't like it there so she came home and that was like a shock (laughs) like oh my god we thought she was in college for like a while and then she returned right almost right away she just loved being at home and i think that she and grandma kind of i don't know elbowed each other over the space Whose home was it? Aunt Nancy knew so much about where we lived, like what every every object in its place and things like that. It kind of also weird, like 
Lindsay, uh, certainly Lindsay and maybe even Caroline, they're like historians of the objects of our family. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that, that they pushed against each other. I mean, Grandma was only 21 when Nancy was born. Yes, that's true. Pretty young. I know, it, it is young. And then, like, they sent Nancy to fat camp for a couple years, right? Summer? <laughs> I really I really don't know if I feel comfortable about broadcasting that. Why? She went I to think Belvoir it's very Terrace. interesting. She went to Belvoir Terrace and with, uh, with many of my of, of her cousins, my cousins also. But um, and uh, yes, they all went to for uh, for um, body reduction. <laughs> and what would they do there? Like like starve them? I was I certainly don't know what they did there. The the only story I really know about it was that Louisa, my first cousin's mother, Auntie Muriel, who was who was ever engaging um, and magical and creative in every other way would go there and hide behind the bushes to spy on the girls and bring back stories in the summertime. Hmm. So little, little, little pre-shadowing of a helicopter parent. I mean, it doesn't sound like a, a fun way to spend the summer. Well, we never, I don't think that there was anything in my family that thought that the summer was for fun. Really? You know, like in the summertime, I did remedial language uh, lessons because I would always flunk out of French um, in the in my in, in even in elementary school, but never mind. And also in high school, we and yeah, we worked for my father. We didn't we didn't do all the fun stuff in the summer, but we did travel. I got to go to Israel and Scandinavia and things like that. And Nancy got to go to South America, where she learned about about contemporary art, Trova and Vasarelli. Now a, now a person I now know is a Hungarian artist. Um, she went to Mexico. You know, she 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 also, you know, but traveled like, and explored. But their family would go on cruises, which is something our family would never have done. It was like very kind of yep. class A. Your mother for not because of that. Your mother for being an Australian just hated the water. She hated the water because she was Australian. That doesn't make sense. No, no. I think all Australians love the water, and that's why I could never figure out why your mother didn't like it, but she didn't. So. You've I think she couldn't think of anything worse than being on a boat for a week. Mm, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I knew she didn't she like water. She really doesn't swim very well or very much, you know. Yeah, I'm not. You know. I'm not sure what she does like. Well, that's not a not such a friendly remark. What, well, how about you? So we've talked talked a lot about me and Nancy. I'm I'm interested in how you're doing with the family yourself right now. Well, I just I'm just noticing so many parallels, you know, like with um. Just, you know, sibling relationships. I'm also the oldest. I, I sometimes would think maybe I was like the Nancy of the family, which to me was horrifying. But well, I, I don't know. Nancy did okay, you know. Um, uh, but you, you're having a very hard time with the family, I think. Yeah, the I've hardest, really become estranged from, estranged from most of the family. I'm not currently speaking to my mother or my siblings, some of my cousins, maybe even an aunt. Um, a couple aunts on, on my mother's side, but they live in Australia. So it's like, you know, they're not really, I don't really think of them much. Um, although I so did that's basically try everyone. Cross- what? Everyone. Most people. Yeah. Because I had a really bad year. I was hospitalized and my cousin killed himself and a lot of really difficult things happened. And I felt like I was not supported by the family. And in fact, judged and and ridiculed and you know during the time I was hospitalized I did not hear one single word from my brother not one word to see how I was doing or check in with me um you know and even my my sister has really not tried much to be in touch with me or engage her kids with me and and since um I stopped talking to her a couple months ago it's not like she's written me a letter you know or anything asking like how we can repair this do you want her to? Well, I think, yeah, I would want her to. Sure. Yeah. I just, I don't feel like she, it's something that she would do or is maybe even capable of. She'd have, I, I feel she would have to take some responsibility for the demise of our relationship. And I don't think that she is um, willing or able to do that. And your mother, I mean, that's pretty, pretty, uh, you know, severe not to talk to your mother. I think you haven't spoken to her for three or four months, right? Um, no, I don't think it's been that long. I I made a decision just before Rosh Hashanah that I did not want to engage with 
mom because uh, I feel that it never goes well. It just never, ever goes well. I get angry. Um, then I feel like I'm, I want to like, you know, verbally attack her and that it just never goes well. So I don't feel that we have anything really to talk about or she's not a warm, loving presence for me. She's like a very difficult, um, you know, problematic person. And, um, and I, I think I just, I, I'm seeing more aspects of, of our relationship that have been challenging and, it's it is it's very painful at times. I, I the thing is I, I don't miss her though at all. Well, I don't feel as you say, any it's not feelings. Long. I can I can say to you that first of all she is a very warm. Anybody that knows your mother for a minute would say she's both warm and very upbeat. Okay, and, well, uh, anyone that knows my mother is probably not their daughter. So right, but for you it's very hard. I I understand that. And um, she also had a difficult mother who is who is most likely a narcissist. And I'm just, I'm, I see a lot of narcissistic qualities around me, but you know, there our, our grandmother didn't speak to her siblings and, um, yeah, there, there's been other estrangements in the family. You know, I don't, I'm not the only one, but I do think that I, I think differently. I act differently. I'm very, uh, strong-willed and I believe that I was made to feel like, like the identified patient of the family which is the problem, the problem child, the one who needs more fixing, more help, more this, more that. And that's, that's, I've now learned that that's really not healthy. Um, when there is symptoms in a child, like there were in me, it is a family problem and should be dealt with as a family. So you think you feel the family really let you down about that stuff? Yeah, I think from a very young age, I was like treated like I was other, I was different. I was, not okay. I, I was the only one going to therapy. I was the only one, you know, I was, I was held back in school for reasons I still don't even understand. Um, I, I shared a room with my sister, which was very uncomfortable. She also came just, just two years after me. And, and that also wasn't very much time to have um, as, a, as an only child. Um, we also made a big move to New York City when I was just four and she was two. And uh, we had to get into schools and we had to find new communities. And, you know, we, we lived a, quite a distance away from synagogue. We'd, you know, do this long walk to synagogue and, and mom wouldn't go. And so that confused me growing up. You and mom had very different ideas about parenting and how to be Jewish and, and lots of things. So I think there were many different mixed messages for me. But ultimately, I felt that I was different and and, and a problem. I always felt like I was a problem. Well, I do feel bad about that. I don't think of you that way. But, you know, we, only, we thought that, you know, you, you were struggling and that we maybe could support you. I'm sorry that you took that to think that you were a problem. But I thought maybe you had, had everyone, issues that... Everyone everybody. was struggling. Maybe I'm everybody, the only one that right. presented it. No, everyone struggles. Of course, that's true. No, but in our family, there was like you know, deep trauma that had not been processed from the Holocaust and, and the move to New York and me and Nama having a, also being incredibly different people, but being, sharing a room and she'd have friends come over and I, I wouldn't have as many friends. She was better at math and other subjects. I mean, some, some of the stuff is just classic sibling, you know, rivalry stuff. But, but now, you know, the fact that I'm not speaking to my siblings and neither of them seems to care at all about it. In fact, it was Gabe, Gabe told me that he didn't want to speak to me anymore. He said that. So even if I wanted to have a relationship with him at this point, I couldn't. And it's, it's very just, it's very disheartening. It's very sad. I have two little, two nieces and a nephew, and I, I can't see any of them. Both my siblings married people that are also difficult for me. So the, the rare occasions when there's been the, the five of us together, I felt incredibly uncomfortable and yeah. afterwards have gone into a very bad spiral of depression. Yeah. No, I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the decision to stay, you know, some distance is, is a good one. I, I don't know. I feel, I myself, of course, I'm your father and their father, and I feel a lot of pain about it. I feel pain in an active way. But you've also contributed heavily to this. I mean, even, even just, and, and I know, you know, I've said on the podcast before, it's hard not to have a place to gather and whatever, but it is true. Like we don't have anywhere to gather as a family and that has taken a toll on oh. the family. 
we had a place together. I mean, just in my own sense, until I was sixty-six years old. Um, okay, and so, but the, there were no grandkids then. Uh, you know, listen, I, 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 you know, I did go on my odyssey. I am speaking to you from Budapest, so. So you made a choice, and, I, I and that choice I don't know has had that. I mean, consequences. I, it's we don't have a Jewish holiday. We're talking about Halloween, but of course, the next one coming up is Thanksgiving, and it is painful for me. It is. I grew up. Well, I grew up, you know, with a very large family and we all went because my grandfather would have been furious if we didn't go. Um, And and so we all went and we were all raised up together. Sad to say, my sister died. My first cousin died. Deal. And my first cousin, Madeline, also died. So of the of the, let's say, seven people around that table, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, four are gone. So that's that's pretty. No, it's, pretty it is roughly. significant. But you know, your kids, your other kids, don't go to the family Thanksgiving in Massachusetts. No, I know. Now they have, you know, now they go to their in-laws, and so you know, they go to Dallas and they go to Cleveland. But I, I do. They think go to their in-laws for every holiday. I, I would say that, you know, I said before that, you know, I don't, I don't think mom really warms up to Thanksgiving and the Thanksgiving, you know, rituals of the family and. Or maybe the family at all. I mean, she grew up. I mean, one of the things about marrying the child of Holocaust survivors is that they don't have very much family. So she she actually she, did have family in the same area, but didn't see them, didn't know right, them. Well, that's right. So she, she didn't know she, her first cousins. I, I once asked her, what's the name of your first cousins? And she didn't know their names. You know, then she kind of she kind of said them. And I think she got one of them wrong. Um, she certainly she loves the ones in, in Italy, but, you know, they're in Italy. So she grew up without any of that stuff. And I think that makes a difference. I grew up with all that stuff. So even for me right now, you know, as I sit in Budapest and think about Thanksgiving, I find it, I find it painful. You know, like, you know, I, I don't, most likely I won't be with the family. I'm not sure what you'll do on Thanksgiving. I don't know. My, our, our, your siblings are going to go to their, to their in-laws. Yeah, I, you know. We used to always go to grandma, grandpa's house on Thanksgiving and stay for Friday and stay for Saturday. And I could barely get myself to leave on Sunday. Then we would have these horrible car ride home. You know, I it's it 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 is a those memories of Thanksgiving, both when I was a kid and when I was a when I was just had you kids as a father, were, are very rich and very powerful and warm to me. Um, and now I and I the last thing I ever thought was going to happen was I would lose this part of my life this part of my life with the family, but I have no family. Mm-hmm. I no. mean, you moved to Budapest, you know, you moved yeah, there. Maybe so. I, I, you know, it, it sounds like I ran away to Budapest. So I did not. I, I, I was drawn here to do projects and to really try and make a dent at, in the last phase of my career. I'm 71, you know, you can't go yeah. on forever. Um, and, and I will come back. You're mostly there alone. Well, I'm I'm sometimes here alone. I'm not ever here alone. There are a lot of people here for me. You live mostly alone, and but I do, yeah. And I know that's so. But I lived with everybody for many, many decades, so it is not bad for me to read and and do all the things I want to do that I I never got to do. So, so I mean, you know, I don't know I, most most marriages that that would work out. I don't, you know. Well, our marriage it does seem to work out, but I think yeah, it works it's like out. I try to explain it to people. I'm like, well, my dad lives in Budapest and my mom lives in Brooklyn. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. She often lives in Budapest and I often am in Brooklyn. We you mostly live Brooklyn. together. Well, I don't hate Brooklyn, the whole thing. I just don't like <laughs> where it. I live in Brooklyn. Well, all right. But I, in, in the family, I mean, here's, a, here's the, the, the Jewish part for me is that this is the book of Genesis um, right now. And. We have a lot of estranged families in Genesis. You know, it, it does have that kind of background to it. You know, it's it's uh, Abraham has two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, and they and one gets uh, expelled, and the other and and almost dies, and then Isaac almost gets killed. and And the last kind of scene that we see of them is standing together at Abraham's grave. You know, so that's you know very late in the game. And then and then Isaac has has uh, two sons, Esau and Jacob, and they. Trying, you know, Jacob steals the birthright and he steals the blessing and he leaves for 21 years. So this is a very strange thing. And even when they get back together and they give each other a big hug, then the next scene is they leave and go and go different ways. Mm. So 
you know, there's there's that, and then even uh, Jacob has has you know uh, twelve sons from four two wives and two uh, concubines, and and you know they sell Joseph into slavery, but mm. and instead of killing him, so you don't have a, and then we have a long rapprochement at the end of the book of Genesis. So so really, the first brothers that get along with each other are Moses and Aaron, and they save the Jewish people. So the strength of brothers getting along is very powerful and very clear. Um, but I, I feel that I feel the dysfunction of the family that even in the, in the early narrative that we, that we're reading right now, is very strong. You know, I sometimes wonder why he put all, why he put all that stuff in there. Mm. He being, he being probably God, God, you know, in my, in my understanding. Well, but, when you said that, it just made me think of like, you know, we have, we have over 200 hostages in Gaza right now. Mm. You know, it's been, it's I feel just, so much pain about it. I feel weeks. so much active pain. And it's like, how, how are we supposed to just go on with our lives? Like, like, I know not... I, I, I wake up in the morning and I open my, the blind and I say, Oh my God, I'm able to look at the sunshine. They're probably in a tunnel. Yeah. Every day I think about that. And I pray in the morning, you know, who, you know, uh, who opens up the one who opens up your eyes um, and and I, I say they're in a tunnel for so many and babies and elderly people and Holocaust survivors. And oh, I find it so painful. I find it just so can barely. Well, I can't really do anything else. I I wake up at two and three and four in the morning. I'm, I'm only an hour difference from uh, time zone, one time zone from uh, Israel. So. I'm I'm basically in in what's happening at the same time so, and I I wake up at two or three in the morning just to see what has happened in the last hour, mm. and even this story you know this this terrible story, um, it's it's gauzy and silly in some ways to say that it's a fight between brothers, but it feels like a fight between brothers. Yeah, it does. You know? It feels like a fight between. Palestinians and, and and the Israelis, you know, I, yesterday one of the Hamas people said that he, when we was asked what he wanted, he said, "I want the Israelis to all go back to Europe." Well, that's that's wrong. Most Israelis didn't come from Europe; they came yeah. from Libya and Egypt and Iraq and Iran and Lebanon and Syria for sure, you know, and 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 Ethiopia and Yemen, you know, they they didn't come from just Poland and Hungary. In fact, most of them didn't. So like they really and they look alike, you know, mm -hmm. it's, just, it, it's 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 very hard. I, I do. I, I find the two things that are hardest in my life is your estrangement. Um, and of course, I don't put it all on you for sure. I put it on them also. And 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 the Israel-Palestine disastrous war. Well, how are you able to be to be like, I guess, in the middle in some ways? Well, I I have tremendous anger at Hamas for doing this. No, in our family. In our family? Yeah. You know, I, I love all three of my children unconditionally. I would do anything for all of you. But I'm your favorite. And, and, but so is Gabe and so is Nama. No. <laughs> but I'm glad that you feel that. I hope that they no, also you feel always it. told me I was your favorite. I also told them I was they were no, my favorite. They, and you every did park not. is my favorite. But you are. You are. No you doubt. You bought me an apartment. But, I bought you an apartment, yeah. But um, so look at I. Is that the birthright? Do I have the birthright? You have the birthright and the and the blessing. But I bless you all every Friday night. I bless each each one of you, um, no matter where I am. I call you up and I give you the bracha, and I feel like I'm. I love each one of you, and I and I and I cherish each one of you, and and your relations with each other are not the. Are, is not in my hands. Like what's in my hands is loving each of you and trying to do as much as I can. I would do anything for any of you. Well, what did what did your parents do when you and Nancy were struggling? Did they try to encourage you to reconcile? I don't know. No, they never did. Um, I don't. I don't know if they knew what to do. Mm. I think they didn't know what to do. I, I think they they felt that I was uh, I had lots of strength and lots of lots of needs, weak, real weaknesses, I suppose. Um, and I just demanded a lot of care. And I think Nancy got the short end. And I feel I feel like uh, I feel bad about that. I really do. But I don't think that, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I did think that that I for many years, I was critical of how grandpa 
um, managed the family and didn't protect Nancy Moore um, from being what, what you call the uh, what, what was identified the patient? patient, the identified patient. Um, in her case, I think it was mostly about her weight. Um, but she just had a very different relationship with school and with people and everything than I had. You know, she was she, very, she was popular and she was, you know, vivacious. But she was also only 20. It's like it's like people are recreating like the same things over and over again. I do think that I think that you and your siblings also have recreated something from the past. I'm sorry for it, actually. I don't think I would have picked that one. But look at, you know, Harry and his siblings. He had, there were 12 of them. They also fought. And Harry, we always heard that Harry was great to his siblings, but Harry was my grandfather. Um, but a lot of his siblings did not like the way he was great to them, you know? He bought them apartments. He got them jobs. But they didn't like him, you know? He was a tough guy. So I, I don't know. I, I want to get along with everybody. I, I'm... I'm I'm, I miss Nancy a lot, but I'm certainly blessed by my brother Richard in Israel and my sister Marianne. You know, I just I just love them and their and their spouses and their families. You know, so I I I feel that at least in my family of origin that it's okay. But I would do anything to make the the our family better and more cohesive. You anything. would not do anything. Anything I would do. No, anything. you wouldn't, because you decided to live in Budapest, and that's part of the problem. I would come back. Maybe well, I'll come back. You want me to come back? I'll yeah, come back. but don't live in Brooklyn. I'll come back and not live in Brooklyn. All right. You, you heard know, it Brooklyn's here, listeners. Maybe there's a nice place in Brooklyn. I just don't seem to feel easy where I live. I'm the wrong age. You are. Yeah. Well, this was a lot. <laughs> I think maybe we, you'll we, get your stuff out of storage. Yeah, let's not bring up every single sore spot. In no, my I, life I need right it. I now. need it recorded so that people will. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I really don't. I'm, I'm trying to protect <laughs> you and me and everybody else from the small vicissitudes of our life. But I do want to say that I love you and I want to wish you a happy Halloween, whatever that means. I have no idea what that would mean. But even more than that, on the run up to Thanksgiving, I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful for our family and I'm and I'm grateful for my life and I wish I could bring it peace in the Middle East and East, and even in Queens, Brooklyn, and New Orleans. So, okay. thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Next time. Bye.